Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. God is messing up the regular order of service. I think God is saying, do you have a church that will stay to the end of a service and not slip out before 12? Do you have a church that will stay to the end and give an offering at the end? Do you have a church that will have their attention span still on what God is doing in the house so you can talk about announcements at the end so you don't have to break the flow that we're having right now? Do we have a church that's going to stay with us to the end? Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, praise team. Come on down, take a break. Y'all worked hard this week. Except you, Anthony, you got to keep working. Hallelujah. Oh, by the way, before I get in, let me just go ahead and throw this one out here before I forget it. Bishop Clint Brown messaged me this week and said the crew is on their way on November 9th with our brand new sound system. Come on, somebody. Woo! November 9th. They'll be here for a full week. They're bringing the whole system. They're installing the system. And they will be here on Sunday, November 15th, back there with our sound stage personnel. His personal sound man from Orlando, who's never been to our church, is coming with them, coming with Justin and Seth that was here. And uh, they're going to be helping us manage and show, show us all the, the bells and whistles on this new system, praise God. And, of course, they'll be helping our, our media team throughout the week. But it's going it's to be a game changer. But I want everybody to say this with me. I will. Adjust and not complain with problems. Oh, here's the big one. I will not complain or quit my church because it's too loud. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's going to be louder than it is right now. So so it's going to be a little transition. We ain't going to make your eardrums bleed, but uh, be careful. That sounded like a Halloween, man. I felt like I was opening up a creaking door. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Be careful not to get offended. Actually, it don't even feel like Halloween. That feels like one of them commercials where you say, it's time to get yourself tucked in bed. Hey, have y'all seen that commercial where Darth Vader's reading the Bible? It's not actually Darth Vader. It's, it's James Earl Jones. Come on. I mean, it was the voice of Darth Vader. He comes on, and, and, and literally he comes on. It's an app that you can download to help you go to sleep at night, and, and these famous people are reading the Bible, and they've got James Earl Jones on there, and he's going, he's going, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And my wife looked at me and said, Darth Vader's reading the Bible. I was like, well, if I'm going to go to sleep with the Bible, I'd love for Darth Vader to, to love me to sleep, praise God. How awesome would it be if, if, he, if, he, if he was able to read a scripture that says something like, uh, call no man father except your father, which is in heaven. And then you heard him go, because I am your father. <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, by the way, at the end of service today, they're going to come up and they're going to tell you about a great opportunity 
for you to serve in children's ministry. So I want you to go ahead and begin to prepare your heart that if you've ever had a heart to help children and to serve children and to teach children and to help them, we are in need of you. And even if you're not qualified and you've never done it before, we will train you, we will equip you. What we need more than anything is the heart. Everybody say the heart. The heart for children, and we will help you. Praise God. If you got your Bible, shout amen. Let's do our confession because I believe we need to clear, clear our minds right now. Grab your Bible. Stand up on your feet. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Pastor Sandy will come up at the end of service. Don't leave. It's very, very important for you to stay to the last minute because she's going to share her heart on some announcements. But she's also going to share her heart further on what we're talking about to help our children's ministry. Let's hold it up high and let's say this together. I believe the Bible was written and preserved over thousands of years for me. For who? For who? All right, it is relevant to me, and it is intended for me. I believe I can do everything it says I can do. I believe I am everything it says I am. It is now time for me to receive the anointed preaching and teaching of God's Word. I will listen, I will retain, and I will allow the Word of God to change me and make me into the person God desires for me to be. I am a leader. I will take notes because all great leaders take notes. I know some of you have never seen yourself as a leader, but I want you to know you are a leader. Praise God. How many enjoyed Elevate Conference? Make some noise. Woo! I believe the greatest Elevate Conference we've ever had. If you were not here, you didn't, unless you watched the replay, you didn't get to experience We did not live stream it. It was, it was something that was so special. It was an on-time word. It was a, it was a earth-shattering word for some people. It was an on-time moment for this moment. Uh, I believe that everybody that spoke all the way uh, through the women's conference with Sister Edie and then a court concluding last Sunday with Pastor Paul Begley, I believe all of the voices that came in here were on assignment from God to speak into this region, but I also believe they were on assignment from God to speak into this house. I believe that God is getting something ready in this house. This morning, I received a call from my bishop, Bishop Clint Brown. And when I tell you what, when you look on a Sunday morning at 8 something, right at 8 o'clock, and you see Bishop Clint Brown on your contacts, you know that they are an hour ahead of you. You know that he's literally about to step into his sanctuary at any moment. And you know that he ain't going to call you at that moment unless he needs to talk to his son. Come on, somebody. So you, you answer that call. So I answered that call. And he began to speak some things into my life, some that are personal that I won't say now, but some things about this church. He began to speak some things about what God showed him about this moment in this house during Elevate while he was here. He said, let me tell you something. I don't know if you remember this one particular lady sat on the third row. She drove all the way from Nashville, Tennessee to be here for the night that we tag team. And at the end of service, as she's driving home, she called him and she said, let me just tell you something, Bishop. I was sitting in a diamond in the rough tonight. I was sitting in a place that I feel like I need to say to you, God is about to set them out, praise God. God is about to do a quick move and a quick word. 
I'm telling you, at 52 years old, I'm more determined to preach the gospel. I'm more determined to do the things that God told me to do at 22 than I've ever been in my life. I tell you, it's been a long road. I tell you, it's not been easy. I tell you, we've had to go through hell. I got to tell you, I'm telling you, people have come and people have gone. People have literally tried to destroy my family, destroy my children, destroy my marriage. I even tried to do it myself because of choices that I made that I that I was not balanced in my life like I should have been. But here's the good news. We're still standing. My God, I'm more in love with this woman than I've ever been in my life. And I think she sort of likes me. Praise God. My children are still with me. I got the greatest grandbaby. It, I'm sorry. My To me, I know your grandbabies are the greatest as well. I got a grandbaby. I tell you what. I'm thinking about every day. About I'm not forgetting the promises that God has made in my life. I'm not giving up on the things. When I lived in a single wide trailer in a, in a small little house after that in Trafford, Alabama, right next to the train tracks, when I would lay there in the bed and the power of the Holy Ghost would come upon me and press upon me, there were nights that the Holy Spirit would speak things to me and I would go into a trance. My wife's shaking her head because she remembers that she would try to wake me up and I could not be awakened. I was pinned to the bed as God was just laying on top of me, breathing inside of me, giving me visions and telling me what God wanted to do in my life. I absolutely thought they would happen the next year. That was was 20 something years ago. But some of the things that God spoke to me and declared and showed me in vision form and and in my heart, 20 something years later, I'm finally beginning to see them happen. A couple of years ago, God told me to start taking Bibles, old Bibles off my shelf. When I was in a moment where I would have a brief moment in my office if I was there, God would quicken my spirit, take those old Bibles. I'm talking about the, the old Bibles that, that's falling apart. Get them out and start looking at the things you highlighted back in the 90s. The little notes that you wrote in the margins. And remind yourself that I am not a man that I should lie. Hallelujah. The only reason this Bible that I use up here ain't falling apart is because I'm so blind I can't see it. Hallelujah. I got to have a, a Bible now up here that I can just use my fingers and expand. Does anybody feel me? Say amen. I want so bad to use this and read this but if I had a Bible that even with my contacts that I could read easily laying on this right here it would look like your mama's family Bible they used to sit on the coffee table it would take up my I've tried to get those giant print Bibles and they are this thick so I just said Lord until you heal these eyes thank God for the iPad I'm going to tell you what the Lord wants me to tell you this morning. It's part of the reason of the lockdown. And I'm not talking about the lockdown just with the virus. I'm talking about a lockdown on the church in particular. There is an attempt 
When it's all said and done, let me tell you something. I know you think I'm hyping this, and I know you think I'm not taking it seriously, and I know you think so many people are offended by some of the things I say, but you got to hear my heart because I'm a pastor. i got to speak to my heart as a pastor. You say whatever you want to say, but ultimately, when it's all said and done, we will look back on this, and we will know that this was not just a, a serious true virus but this that was sent from hell because it is. It is a serious, true virus, deadly virus sent from hell. How many of those it wasn't sent from heaven? Sent from hell. But the purpose, the ultimate purpose was not, even though we see so many horribly see the, the, not just the death and the sickness, but we see businesses closing down. We see the economy crash. We see people who have spent their whole life in a business. They can't make it. They're going out of business. We see entire industries going away, being replaced by virtual things. And, and while everybody's excited about that technology, they need to take a deep breath and realize that if a robot is taking your order at McDonald's, that means somebody don't get to work there. I wish somebody would help me. So the more we get excited about this AI and technology and all this kind of stuff, and it's so cool and amazing, and how look how we're adapting. What you don't realize is while you're getting excited about how we're adapting, millions and millions of people are losing their jobs, which is a snowball effect. But I'm saying that to say this. When it's all said and done, I know the devil wants to destroy your finances. I know the devil wants to destroy uh, your peace of mind and, and all the things that are and kill you, still kill and destroy. But the ultimate goal of the devil is to quiet, lock down, and chain the church. Because if he can stop us because of the way God designed this, he has convinced himself he has stopped God. Because the way the world hears the voice of God is us. The way people are healed by Jesus is when we lay hands upon them. He said, you shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. The way people are set free from demon spirits is when in his name we cast them out. But if there's no church casting out devils, devils are not coming out. If there's no church laying hands upon the sick, nobody's being healed. Oh, I wish I had some help up in here. That's the ultimate goal. I watched the police on a video last night go into an Orthodox Jewish home in New York City because, I almost said Karen, but I'm not going to talk about Karens anymore. That was, last, that was a couple weeks ago. Uh, because somebody was driving through a neighborhood. This is, this is, the, this is what's being bred. This is the, what, what we're becoming. Was driving through a neighborhood and noticed a few more cars parked in front of a house that's normally parked. And they called the police because they saw a few more cars. This is all fact and video. This is not made up. The police shows up at this Jewish Orthodox home. And the video is them of about four uh, look like maybe rabbis or certainly orthodox uh, Jewish people standing at the base of this stairwell. And the police, their own video, the police in New York City is saying, 
we had a complaint about the cars, so therefore we just want to make sure this is their house. This is not a church service. This is not an organization. This is friends over. We want to make sure that you do not have 10 or more people in your home. And the man looks at the cop and he says, are you serious? Are you trying to say to me right now that I am in violation in my home with my friends in here, and I'm sure they were worshiping God, read the Torah or something, but if I have 10 people in my home, I have to send my friends away? The cop said yes. The cop said you're in violation. Well, I don't know how it ended, but I think it ended where nothing bad happened, thank God. But here's the reality. They are coming into your home. Listen to me right now. It is ultimately to quiet the plan of God. We are created to be relational. You want to know the perfect will of God? I've said this ain't what I'm preaching today, but I'm just going to obey God right now. Do you want to understand the perfect will of God? Here's how you understand the perfect will of God for man. The Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was made before the fall of, of Adam and Eve, perfect and exactly what God wanted. Are y'all hearing me? What did God do? Do. He came down and walked with man every day, illustrating a relational God, teaching us to be relational. He says, I want to have more than just you, Adam and Eve. I want to have more of you. Watch what he did. He did, he made Adam. He made Eve. And then he said, y'all get together and make some more. Huh? He instituted in the body of a man and the body of a woman what happens when you really get relational. You reproduce. Now I won't get too deep on you, but if you stay isolated in a cave somewhere, by yourself, you can never reproduce. I'm not talking about having babies in the natural. I'm talking about how many of those the Bible says our goal, our command is to make disciples. Are y'all hearing me? We are supposed to be reproducing ourselves in the spirit. I wish I had a church that would listen to their pastor and shout Amen. Our job is not, we're not being called to come together just so we can have great music and great preaching and feel good about ourselves. We're supposed to be equipped by our pastor for the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? Go and make disciples of all men. You can only make so many disciples on Zoom. I'm not saying you can't make disciples on Zoom. You know what would be awesome by our, our, our live stream viewers right now? I'm so thankful for you that's watching on the live stream and replay. But here's what would be awesome. 
is that if every one of you that's watching right now actually watch to the end of service. But you're not going to. Because whether you realize it or not, you can't worship God like in this house on live stream. I'm sorry. Because some of you can. There's a, there's a, but a lot of you are listening to your pastor while you're cooking breakfast right now. You're listening to your pastor with earphones in your ears while you're vacuuming. You're taking advantage of the fact that you're at home on a Sunday morning, so you're going you're gonna to listen to your pastor. And I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for that. Don't get me wrong. But it is impossible for us to be who God has called us to be with that mindset. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. Whether you like it or not, you know it's true. There ain't but one thing. If, if coming together, notice it did just say unity of mind. How beautiful it is when my brethren dwell together in unity. This goes against the word of God to think any other way is God's plan. One can chase a thousand. Two can chase 10,000. Demons. So you, you got the power in the name of Jesus to chase a thousand. But hook up with somebody else that got the same faith and y'all get your praise on together and all of a sudden it, our natural math says two could chase 2,000. But God says the moment you start gathering with another believer, it goes tenfold. And if you use that math, and I don't, I'm not good at math and I'm going, not going to embarrass myself right now, but what's 10 times 10? 100,000. So that means three can chase 100,000. If we use that math, what is 100,000 times 10? See, all y'all got scared now. Because y'all want to say a million like me. Is that right? Is it a million or 10 million? Does anybody know? I'll tell you right now, American education. College graduates, PhDs, and people still going, get my, get my phone out, get my calculator out. How many knows the greatest prophet, the most well-known prophet to ever live is a man named Elijah? In fact, there were, he's so well-known and well-loved by the Jewish people that at Passover at the Cedar, at Passover every year, they still set a place for him at the table. Because Malachi said before the Messiah comes, Elijah would come. So they still set a place for him. He's famous. He was a rough prophet. He was, he, people didn't like what he had to say. People usually don't like what a prophet has to say. Except modern day prophets, because modern day prophets are always prophesying cars and houses and, and blessings and all this kind of stuff. But you get a hold of a real prophet, Starts reading your mail, starts calling out addictions and starts saying things to you like, you know, you need to shut that computer down because you're addicted to porn. Come on, somebody. Hey. You'd be like, better watch him prophets, man. He stopped the rain with his words. He brought the rain back with his words. He challenged the prophets of Baal on a place called Mount Carmel. When he got tired of hearing people talk about false gods being God, he said, all right, let's find out who God is. 
He goes up on Mount Carmel. He said, make you an altar. Go, do, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Call out on your God. I'll just stand back here and wait for him to answer by fire. When you get done, let me know and I'll do mine. They cut themselves. They screamed. They, they shed their own blood, poured their own blood on it, cried out to Dagon, cried out to, all, to Baal, cried out to all those gods, and the heavens were brass and the heavens were silent because there is no God but the true God, and nothing happened. Elijah, Elijah literally says, he begins to mock him. The mock him, what's wrong with your God? One translation says, he looks at him and says, he must be sleeping. Yell a little bit louder so you maybe can wake your God up. When you look at the original Hebrew, literally it says this, I think he's on the pot. Not smoking pot, but on the pot. My God's on the real throne. Your God must be on the little throne. Is he reading the newspaper? Tell him to hurry. That's really what it says. In fact, one translation literally says, is he, is he doing his business? Is that why he can't show up? So they finally settled down and got quiet. He goes, okay, bring me some water. Pour it on my offering. Bring me some water again. Pour it again. Bring me a third time. Pour it again. In the middle of a drought, y'all. I mean, that water was like gold. They're looking at him and saying, how dare him, how dare him, how dare, how dare him invest? How dare him sow a seed? How dare you look over at your wife or your husband and say, I want to sow a seed of $1,000 or $100 in the middle of a pandemic? Do you understand? We ought to be holding on and we ought to be locking stuff down. We ought to be made. God, let me tell you, God will speak to you to sow a seed in the middle of a famine. God will speak to you to give an offering and to bless somebody when you just lost your job. How dare him? How dare him? Then he stands back and he just goes, all right, God, bring the fire. Drops the mic. Not just, not just fire comes down out of heaven, consumes the, the offering on the altar, but licks up. The fire just, as the wind's hitting it, the flames of fire just keeps hitting that water. It gets so hot that the water evaporates, disappears, and the, every single thing on and around the altar is consumed. He goes, all right, boy, what do y'all think now? At that moment... Just a few moments earlier, they thought, what a waste, what a fraud, using water, gold to us at this time in the midst of a drought, gold to us, and he wasted it. But let me tell you something, when God did the miracle, they didn't think nothing about the water. All they thought about was who was God. They will mock us in this moment. They will question us in this moment. But when this moment comes and this moment goes, the people who are hungry for God will remember the ones that stood up in the midst of this and said, we will not be silent. We will not. Because they won't. They're mad at us now. But they ain't going to be mad at us when their baby needs a healing. Huh? When your baby, when your baby's got a diagnosis of something that's incurable, you can't get up in front of a computer screen and hold your baby up in a Zoom meeting. You better find you a church that still prays. You better bring your baby somewhere where the elders of the church can get the anointing all and say, devil, get your hands off this baby.
of a man of God than that. He's hungry. Birds come and feed him. He's thirsty in the middle of a, of a drought. God takes him to the only flowing brook. Got fresh water, got meat, get brought to him. The, it says ravens in your Bible. You look it up, it implies that it was the vultures. Meat-eating vultures did without food, and God calls those that would take from you to bring to you and feed you. Uh, so many other things you can say about Elijah. I mean, there's nobody that you could say closer to God at that moment than Elijah. But then all of a sudden, the word gets back to a woman named Jezebel. Says, she, she starts calling, oh, I, I need to be, I need to be, uh, uh, it's 11-11 if you're taking medicine, by the way. Come on, go ahead. I looked up and saw 11-11. Some of y'all love it when 11-11 pops up, and I saw that, so I just thought I'd tell you that. Oh, I need to be affirmed. I need to be reminded how great I am. Call my prophets in here so that they can give me a great word about my amazing awesomeness. Well, your, your, your highness, we, um, we've got something to tell you. What, what is it? What is it? What is it? What's going on? You don't have any prophets anymore. What do you mean I don't have any prophets anymore? I'm the one that made them prophets. Oh, you'll get that later. They're all dead. Dead? Who killed them? Was there, was there some kind of quick disease or something? Some kind of snake bit them all? What happened? Well, that prophet that you hate so much that's been speaking against you, he just raised his hand. God called fire down out of heaven. And then all the people that was praising you this morning turned on you and killed all of them. So here's how full of himself the devil is. The devil is an idiot. He knows he can't win, but he still keeps trying to win. He still keeps trying to intimidate people. He, she, she speaks up. She says, well, you tell, here, come here, come here, come here. He's an unnamed little boy. I mean, he's, he's fast. The only thing he's known for, he runs fast. He probably don't eat much. He's skinny. She calls him up here and says, come here, boy. I want you to find the prophet. Run to him, and I want you to tell him these words. When you find him, you say, Jezebel said to tell you that before she will not rest until every, what you did to all of my prophets, she is going to do to you. You're going to die the same way they died. So Elijah, you know, he's just walking around, man. He's just like, I'm the man. I'm the man. I just call fire down from heaven, man. You know, you don't get no better than me. Come on. You know, Elijah went up the mountain walking like this. He walked up, he come off the mountain walking like this. Let me check. Eleven sixteen. All of a sudden, here comes this uh, puny little boy running up to. Are you the prophet Elijah? Yeah. Who's asking? I am the most favored one chosen by God. Could call fire down of heaven. Go ahead, son. Jezebel, the leader of the prophets of, of Baal, that you just killed, sent me with a message. 
The message is, she said to look you right in the eyes, and she said to tell you what you did to them, she's going to do to you. The Bible says, listen to it. This is what the Bible says. When he saw her words. Oh, you didn't get that. Go back and read. Not when he heard them. It says, when he saw what he said or she said, it became a picture and a movie that he invited in. In a moment, he bought in. Let me tell you something. We are being inundated. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. There is a drumbeat constantly being told to us by the voice of our enemy that everything that God has said he's going to do to for us is a lie and that he is going to kill us. He is, he, with fear, oh, y'all ain't hearing me, has being beat into us to where now it has become a picture. We first heard it, but now we are living our life seeing it. Y'all ain't hearing me. Once you allow the words of the enemy to come into you, find a seedbed to plant, it will bring a harvest, and it will always go from the sound to the sight. Huh? Fear is based on what we hear and what we see. But what we hear and what we see can't be trusted. Are y'all hearing me? How many's ever heard something in the middle of the night? Aren't we sitting there one night? Watch a TV. We was both almost asleep. Her on the couch, me in the chair, which has happened a few times in our life. And, uh, and we're sitting there. We're getting, you know, when you're just about, you know, where, where Paul said, whether in the body or out of the body, I could not tell. You know, you ever been there asleep or not asleep? You just really don't know. You're just sort of in the middle. We were sort of in the middle. And we have a refrigerator that, for whatever reason, this refrigerator, when it decides to dump ice, it wants everyone in the house to know that it is about to dump ice. It starts. Am I right? It is like, okay, we got ice. But it's got a different sound. We're almost asleep, and I hear. I jump up. Said, I said, Saint, you hear that? She said, what? I said, I look at my watch. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. I said, somebody is beating on the front door. You remember this? It was just a few weeks ago. She's like, are you serious? I said, God, did you not? She said, I heard something. I said, I'm, she said, first words out of my mouth was, I promise you, first words, you sure it wasn't the, the ice maker? And I said, I promise you, I've heard that ice maker a hundred times. It was just like this. 
So we've got little lights on the little windows on the side. I'm like this. I'm looking. It's one o'clock in the morning. I'm looking through the side glass of my doors. I'm, I'm looking down as far as I can see on the porch. I creep over to the back door. I start sliding the slide. I said, here we go, here we go, here we go. She goes, don't you go out there. I said, I got to know, I got to know. I flipped the lights on, throw the door open. I said, are you out there? I heard you. This really happened. Finally started calming down, come in, lock the door, shut the door, shut the blinds. And by that time, we're hyped. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. We'd watch a little bit more TV. Trying to go back to sleep. I finally said, I got go to I gotta go upstairs and go to bed. As I'm going upstairs to go to bed, I hear. <coughs> I went, it was the ice maker. I'm telling you, you got to be careful how much faith you put in what you hear. And you got to be careful how much faith you even put in what you see. They got the ability to make you think you're looking at something and you ain't even looking at something real now. Some of y'all think Thor really can fly with a hammer because it looks so amazing. looks so real. Spoiler alert, it ain't real. He's in front of a green screen. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Even the greatest men of God, even the greatest women of God are susceptible to the words of the enemy. You can't get no great. How many of y'all ever called fire down out of heaven? Huh? How many of y'all ever just, I'm not talking about prayed over your event in your backyard that it wouldn't rain. How many's ever just said, it will not rain for seven years over a nation until I say it's going to rain? I mean, that's pretty close to God. But here's when we're at our most vulnerable. When we are at our highest and most successful moment. See, these great men of God that fell into sin, all of them have one thing in common. They all fell into sin when they were at their pinnacle. Because when you're at the pinnacle and God is working in your life, it's very easy to surround yourself with yes men and yes women who will never speak into your life, ever correct you because you are the man. But what you've set yourself up for is this and this. So he heard it at the pinnacle of his success. And before he even had time to take time to listen to God, he saw it. He saw himself dying the way he saw the prophets dying. So what did he do? The one thing everybody does when they are scared, they hide. They try to hide from the impending word, picture that they saw coming. How many of us, if you look out your window, and I'm, I'm not trying to be, trying to scare you, I'm just trying to paint a picture. If you look out your window in the middle of the night and you see a man in your backyard. Now, something, I forgot I'm in Alabama. 
in Alabama, you don't want to be that man in our backyard. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Let me just say it that way. I don't know if he was looking to meet Jesus that day. <laughs> Praise God. But I think if his heart is right with God and he just stumbled into our backyard, he may be meeting Jesus that day. I thought this was going to be a good analogy, but as soon as I started telling it, I thought, this ain't going to work. Because, <laughs> because what I was going to say is, a situation where you see that your first reaction is not to immediately run out there and just have a cool conversation with them. What's up, man? It's 1 o'clock in the morning. I saw you walking around the back of the yard playing with my dog. I just want to make sure. Would you like a glass of sweet tea while you're out here? Huh? That's, <laughs> that's awesome, Charlie. She said, this is Alabama. That actually might happen too. <laughs> Praise God. Hey, brother, did you break down? How some buy some sweet tea? Love you, man. Have a blessed day. But see, no, our first inclination is, especially if we're out there with them, fear comes on, our heart starts racing. We'll, while we're processing the situation, we hide behind a building and we look and we try to understand what is happening. While we are processing fear, we, we rescind. We crawl up into the ball, the fetal position. We hide in the corner until we can figure out what's going on. Elijah said he saw the picture. He couldn't think clearly. So he looked around. He saw an escape, a cave. He ran into that cave. And now I'm going to begin my message. First Kings chapter 19, verse 9. And there he went into a cave and spent... The night in that place. All right, take that down. Take that down. He spent the night in that place. What place? Not the cave. He spent the night in the place that brought him to the cave. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. He spent the night in fear. He spent the night watching himself die the way the prophet's bells die. Come on, y'all ain't hear me. He stayed that night in the same place that brought him to the cave. The cave was just a physical manifestation of the cave in his mind. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. When you rescind to the corner and hide in the corner, the corner simply is a natural representation of the corner you're hiding in your mind. You find something natural to hide behind while you're hiding in your mind. See, how many knows if you ever went to bed tormented over something happening in your family, tormented over your finances, tormented over the diagnosis, tormented over the condition. 
How many knows you lay there, you toss, you turn, you close your eyes, you play music, you put on waves sound on your phone, you do everything you can do. You turn off all the lights, you turn the lights on, you get up, you walk around, you have a glass of warm milk, you get you some cake, you go back, now you feel even worse because now you're guilty because you broke keto. Huh? You do everything you can do to try to relax your mind, but you can't get it out of your mind. And even if you do go to sleep, it's from exhaustion because your body just finally shuts down. And many times when it does shut down, the panic and the fear carries over into your dreams. Are you hearing me? You wake up the next morning, you're tired, you're worn out, and you're restless. And what's the first thing on your mind when your eyes open up? The last thing on your mind when you went to bed. Because you have spent the night in that place. That's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger or your wrath. You need to deal with the issues before you go to bed. Don't you lay next to your husband and wife and the last words they heard you say is the most horrible, horrendous thing you could have said to them. You better deal with it, even if it ain't fixed. Apologize, even if you don't mean it. Let those words come out of your mouth so that when you go to bed, the first thing that's on their mind when they wake up in the morning, even if you had to make yourself say it, is they remembered that you at least said, I'm sorry. Now you got a foundation when the sun comes up to not be in that place. Weeping may be for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But if you stay in the night, joy never comes in the morning. The devil is trying to paint a picture of darkness now and darker days coming. I got news for you. I don't walk in the dark. I am the light of the world. Come on, y'all hearing me. God said, no matter how dark it is out there, when I walk in the room, baby, because of Jesus, things start lighting up. Don't become a part of the darkness. Drive the darkness away. All right, we can go back to that scripture. He spent the night in that place and behold the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him I want y'all to read that what God said with me out loud and he said unto him go what are you doing here Elijah we're talking about an all knowing God Sounds to me like the same God that said, who told you you were naked? Huh? Sound like the same God that says, Adam, where are you? Does anybody for a minute that knows anything about God believe that God didn't know where Adam was? God knew exactly where Adam was. Adam, where are you? You could almost say it like this. Adam. What are you doing behind that tree? Adam, why are you trying to wear clothes? I didn't tell you you had to wear clothes. 
Well, I'm naked. Hmm, really? God's like, you're naked? Oh, who told you you were naked? God made them naked. And he clothed them with his glory. In other words, he said, look, as long as you do what I want you to do and stay where I put you, you won't even know you're naked. Elijah, what are you doing here? So he said, we see the condition that put him in the cave. Elijah said, Oh, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel, all your people, God, have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And now they seek to take my life. Take it down. Take it down. We're going to do this fast. Take it down. Now they seek to take my life. In other words, let me translate it to Larry Raglan's unauthorized translation of Elijah's words. Well, before I get to answering your question about why I'm here, let me first say, I am your man. You know that? Because ain't nobody else answered by fire for them like me. So me and you, God, were tight. Everybody else ain't like me. In fact, God, I want to say that I'm the only one left, and that was bad enough. But then the whole reason it was in the, in the cave come after that comma, and now they want to kill me. So in other words, this is what Elijah was saying. God, it may look like I'm afraid. It may look like I'm in isolation and not doing what I'm supposed to do. But what I'm really doing is helping you, God. Because if they kill me, you ain't got nobody else. So, Lord, I know you're very pleased with me being in this cave. Because, man, you got a lot of work to still do. And if something happens to me, Some stuff I want to say right now. You ever heard you ever heard the term when a husband and wife is fighting, they call it, well, that was just a he said, she said argument. This is a he said, he said argument. Because if you go back and read it, the Bible says, God said, What are you doing here? Then the Bible says, we just read, and he said, Elijah said to God. Watch this go back, go, go back and forth, he said, he said conversation. Now they won't take my life. Verse 11, then he, somebody say God. Verse 11, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Reminds me of Moses. When the Lord passed by Moses. Now watch what happened when he passed by Elijah. There was a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Oh, I could preach something right here. Look around right now. We see wind. We see record hurricanes. Are y'all hearing me? Every time I turn the news on, we've set a new record for storms like we've never seen. Earthquakes all over this world like never been recorded in history of the magnitude and the numbers. You have a seven point, what was it in Alaska this week? Seven point, seven point five in Alaska. Did you even see that on your news? I mean, was there even a blip of a second where they covered somebody standing in Alaska making sure they people of Alaska and the United States of America knew that a tsunami warning had been put out on one of the 50 states of the United States of America, but we're so distracted by everything else, we couldn't even know to pray for our own state who had just received a 7.5 earthquake and a tsunami warning. You had to find that out by other news sources. There's more earthquakes than we've ever seen in recorded history. Fires. Have you ever seen so many forest fires in your life? But after the fire, you look in the natural, you see wind, you see storms, you see earthquakes, you see fire. After the fire. Somebody say after the fire. A still small voice. So it was that when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Now I want you to hear something that I've never preached, that I've never seen before today. Not last night, not this week in preparation, but today. Knowing what I was going to preach right before I walked out of here. I was reading over this and and it hit me. I thought, wait a minute, God. You told him to go out on a mountain. And when he went to the mountain, the wind came. Then the earthquakes came. Then fire came. Then a still small voice came. And when he heard it, he walked out of the cave. Wait a minute. I thought he was on a mountain. He was in his mind. Are y'all hearing me? God said, what put you in this cave is the picture that you saw based on the words of Jezebel. I need you to get a new picture and go back to Mount Carmel. Oh! <laughs> Y'all ain't hearing me. I need to see, I need you to see yourself not running from a Jezebel. I need to see for you to see yourself praying fire down out of heaven again. And we know 
that it triggered him. He wasn't moved. He, he went somewhere in his mind. The wind didn't move him. The shaking didn't move him. But when the fire came, ha, are y'all hearing me? When he saw the fire, it took him back to Mount. Oh, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When he saw the fire, he's like, oh, that's your fire, God. I've seen that fire before. I know that fire. I know that fire. Woo. I know that fire. Okay, God, speak. Suddenly. Suddenly. Somebody shout suddenly. Reminds me of Acts chapter 2. When they finally got in the right mind. When they were all in one mind. And one accord. Watch this. There came a sound. Of a rushing mighty wind. Did you hear wind? Oh come on. And all the place where they were at. Began, was shaken. Are you hearing me? And then there came a fire. That set on top of them. Oh my God. I could preach another two hours. And suddenly the Bible said there came a fire from heaven and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave it. God moves suddenly. But here's the thing about the suddenly move of God. It isn't that he arrived suddenly. It isn't that he moves suddenly. It's that we think it's suddenly. He's already there trying to do it, but it comes the moment we get the right mindset. It comes the moment. It comes the... It comes when we finally get our mind right and all of a sudden we whoa that was sudden and God said no 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 that wasn't sudden dude I've been trying to get this in you for 20 years you just suddenly got your mind right Mac Daddy am I preaching suddenly a voice came to him and said say it out loud put it up on the screen come on Last verse, suddenly a voice came to him and said, say it out loud, what are you doing here, Elijah? He, in other words, now let me ask that question again. How many of us we just read? He stayed the night in that place. And God came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then they went through that moment that we just preached about where he, God took him back to where he, to see himself the way he's supposed to see himself. And then when he heard that still small voice and he knew that Elijah was back where Elijah's supposed to be, he said, let me ask you again. What are you doing here? And the Bible says he heard that. He walked out of that cave. See, as long as you were in the cave, everybody do this. I know it's going to sound crazy, but you, it will help you understand what I'm saying. Everybody do this. Look straight ahead. Make, make your hands tight on both sides of your eyes. Does everybody see me? Look straight ahead. Can you see me if you can't say amen? Come on. Come on, do it. Do it. Do it. You need to do it. I want everybody doing it right now. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything else until everybody does it. Do it. Do it, come on. They're going. Oh, the rest of your church is going to do this until you do it. Okay, now everybody's doing it. All right, here we go. Now, do it. Keep, keep them up there. Keep them up there. Can you see me? 
All right. Nobody look. Hutch, stand up. Looking straight ahead at me. Can everybody see Hutch to your left? I can see him. He's standing up. Everybody ought to be able to see him, at least 90% of you with your peripheral vision. Stay right there where you are, Hutch. Now everybody drop your hands. Look straight at me. Do you see even just an image of a man standing to your left? How many does raise your hand? The rest of you need to go to the eye doctor. Okay. Do this. Look to your left. Y'all see Hutch now? Hey, Hutch, you ain't got to do that anymore. Thank you, brother. Now watch this. What I'm trying to illustrate, thank you, brother. What I'm trying to illustrate to you is the entrance of the cave is all you can see as long as you're in the cave. Are y'all hearing me? You might feel safe, warm, taken care of, protected from everything that's out there. But every time you get ready to go back out into the real world, all you can see, it don't look like the world's changed to you because you have limited perspective. If this is the front of the cave entrance, and I'm looking right here, straight ahead, all I can see was straight ahead. But watch how the whole world looks different when I just simply do this. When I walk outside of that cave, caves are usually in a place where, you know, not all the time. Some of them are low, but many of them are in the sides of mountains. The caves in, in the times of Elijah, many of them are carved out in the sides of mountains. So when you would step outside of that cave, you're now in a mountain experience. Now not only do you see more than from the entrance of that cave, now you can see for miles. The whole world looks different on the outside of the cave. So I'm going to tell you right now, you need to get out of the cave. Huh? It's time for the church to come out of the cave. I want to ask you a question. What are you doing in this cave? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? So, I'm closing. Much has been said about what did God say in that still small voice? Because it doesn't really say. It doesn't say what he, and so, so the So the answer to that question is, accurately, we don't know. If you try to say that you know, you're a false prophet because you're adding to the Word of God. The Word of God does not tell him what he said. So all we can do is theorize, hypothesize, have an idea. Here's my idea. The very next thing that happens, the next major event that happens in Elijah's life after he comes out of that cave is God says, get down off this mountain. Go to a field where a large group of people are working in the field behind oxen. And there you will find a young man named Elisha tilling the field. Throw the mantle that you just wrapped your face in on him tell him that he is to take up where you're going to leave off. Now it's not that he didn't know that man because Elisha was Elijah's servant. 
Elisha is one of the greatest characters in all of the Word of God. Not great because he did exactly double the miracles of Elijah. Not, not great because, in my mind, great because he received a double portion of the anointing that was on Elijah's life. But to me, what makes Elisha one of the greatest characters in the Bible is the faithfulness of this man before he was ever made famous. The Bible clearly says he had a job in the church. This was his job. He poured water on the hands of Elijah. He washed the hands of Elijah before Elijah would eat. And before he washed his hands, he would take his cloak off. He would hand it to Elisha. Elisha would drape it across his arm as he's washing the hands of his leader. And he would stand in the corner of the room or in the corner of the field, wherever his leader was eating, he would stand there holding his coat, watching him eat while he had no nourishment, no food, and his hands were filthy, and he was covered in dust himself. One job, wash the hands of the prophet, hold the coat of the prophet. But he did it faithfully. He still worked, if one put it in modern-day terms, he still worked a full-time secular job. He worked in the field by day. He had a wife and kids to take care of. His job was to till a dusty field, not just to till a dusty field behind a group of oxen. The Bible said he was in a group of 12 men. He was the 12th man tilling the 12th yoke of oxen behind 11 other men and their oxen in a giant field. In other words, his secular job was to till the ground and eat the dust of the people that had gone before him. Whoever that guy was up in the front, he didn't eat nobody's dust, but we don't know his name. But we know the name of the guy that had to walk through the crap that every other oxen laid before him. Come on, are you hearing me? I'm telling you, you might have to eat the dust of somebody else's success and walk through the crap of somebody else's crap. But God knows you. He knows where you're at. He has watched your faithfulness. You may be eating the dust of Everybody else may look like they've been successful and you're a failure and everybody else has got it going on and you're walking in the world's crap. But God will speak to a man and call him out of a mountain and say, go find the dirtiest man in the field and tell him his days are done. So he left the cave, and he went and he made a disciple. Did y'all get that? Oh, but we want to have a security blanket. Many of us would have never responded the way Elisha responded. Elisha, if Elisha was most of us, if not all of us, this is how Elisha would have responded. Because Elijah found him, threw his mantle on the Bible, said he kept running. He ran found Elisha in the middle of the dust storm, took his pressure off, threw it at him, hit him, and kept running. We know he kept running because the Bible said when Elisha saw it and realized it was the mantle of the man that he, the very mantle that he used to hold in his own hand, he realized it immediately. Oh, my God, the prophet has just thrown his mantle. He knew what that meant. And the Bible said he took off running. Just dropped it, took off running. He knew his moment. When he caught him, 
If it had been most people, this is the way we would have responded. Hey, 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 slow down, slow down. I got it, I got it, I got it. I, I, woo, this is my moment, this is my moment. Uh, let, me make, let me make one phone call and then we're gone. All right, let me make one phone. Hold right there, Elijah. Hey, Jimmy, hey, Jimmy. Hey, I know, I know, you're, on, I know you're on 11 auction right now. Could you, could you shut down 11 for just a minute? Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Hey, 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 this is Elisha. You know, I'm, I'm you know, Elisha. Elisha. Can you hear me? You got a signal? Elisha. Yes, I'm the one that's always covered in crap. Yes, that's me. Yes, me. That's, that's a lie. Okay, you didn't know my name, but you knew I was covered in crap. There, that's me. Okay. Yeah, but that's me. That's me. Look, something's come up, and I feel the Lord's really calling me to full-time ministry. Could you could you just do me a favor? Could you send somebody back there and pull my yoke of oxen over the side, tie them up, and uh, put my plow uh, in the barn, hang it up because, you know, you know, I'm really walking. I'm really walking uh, in faith right now. I believe the Lord's really calling me. But if if this ministry thing don't work out, huh? Huh? If this if this if this word that I thought I got from God don't work out, I I, I need I need I need my plow because I might have to go. I might have to go back. So so just just hang up my plow and you know feed my oxen. And uh, if this thing works out, I'll call y'all and let y'all know. No, he looks at him. He said, look, I know this. I got to go today. Can I at least go kiss my mom and daddy goodbye? Elijah said, what have I done? Yeah, let's go. Let's go back and give you time to tell your mom and daddy goodbye, and then we're gone. When Elisha gets back, Elisha takes a sword, shoves it right through the heart of the oxen that had provided for his family, pulls it out, hangs it up, skins it, cuts the meat. They said, what are you going to do? I'm going to boil this meat. On what? Tear the plow up. He tore the plow up, and the Bible said he made a plow, made a fire from the plow, and cooked the oxen on top of it. In other words, when he come out of the cave, when he come out of the field, when he knew God said, get up and go, he didn't let the world tell him, y'all, this thing might not work out. Let me just tell you something. The church is going to work out. The church is going to make it. Don't you let nobody tell you that this is not real. You need to get to the place. Get up on your feet right now all over this house and shout this with me. No plan B. Shout it again. No plan B. Listen. Remain standing. There ain't no plan B, y'all. It's us. So it's not like, you ever been one of those kind of things like, what's your plan, baby? Well, this is what I'm planning. You got a plan B? Yeah, I got a plan B. If that don't work out, this. The moment you declare a plan B, 90% of the time, plan A does not work. Because you've already said, I don't really think plan A is going to work. So here's plan B. When Jesus poured his Holy Ghost out in that upper room and started something called the church, he declared, and I've read this Bible through, I don't know how many times, and so have you, and I have yet to find any inclination, any imp, uh, implying uh, anything at all that there's a plan B. It's us. So the enemy knows that too. So if the enemy can push us all in the cave, if the enemy can take our authority away from us, if the enemy can make us see ourselves something other than what God sees us, there's no plan B. 
There's no hope for the world. There's no help. There's, there's no message of Jesus. There's no disciples being made. That's why the church is under attack. There is no plan B. So I want to ask you, Solid Rock Church, and I, and I want you to go home and think about this. I'm not talking about being in a cave. I'm talking about your existence, and I'm talking about the fact that God has connected you to this house. What are you doing here? It wasn't necessarily a rebuke by God. It was just God giving the man an opportunity to say where his mindset was. And his mindset completely changed at the end, didn't it? Same question, different response. So I'm going to tell you something. You need to ask yourself, why am I in Solid Rock? Why am I in 2020? Why am I alive in this moment? Why have I come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Am I still breathing? Am I still alive? Shouldn't I be doing something powerful for God? Shouldn't I be telling people about Jesus? Shouldn't I come out of isolation and begin to be the hands and feet of Christ? Shouldn't that be what I'm supposed to be? If at any time, how many of those, the worse it gets out there, the more, the darker it gets out there, the more we're supposed to shine. Not, not seclude to a cave and try to write. Here's the thing that's sad. The church is in hiding and the world is out spreading their gospel. Mandating Laws, regulations to the world when the laws and regulations and the words of God are being hid in a cave. There's ever been a time that we need to hear Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by Him. If there's ever been a time that we need to talk about the commanded blessing, if there's ever been a time we need to talk about by His stripes we are healed, if there's, come on, y'all hearing me. It's this moment. So if there's breath in my body, I'm going to preach Jesus. I've been in that cave. I've been in that cave. I've been in that cave many times. I've been in the cave in my own house. I've been. <laughs> I've sat in a room with my wife and my children and alone in a cave. I've been in a room of people just like you, a packed house where people shouting me down with a microphone in my hand, preaching the gospel, and God blessing my words and blessing the people. But inside, I'm in a cave. I've preached services where I preach my heart out and God's anointing would honor my life. And soon as I'd say, y'all be blessed, have a great day, and walk behind the curtain and walk out of the door, go into a room and shut the door and lock it and not want to see anybody, talk to anybody, Depression, stress, anxiety, darkness coming on me. So I've been there. I've had to have God shake me, blow on me, burn me. I've had to be there before I could hear his voice. So what did he hear, Pastor? I think he heard, this is my opinion, just my opinion. I think, he, I think God spoke to him and said, I want to tell you exactly where Elisha is. You don't know in the natural where he is. 
Because all you ever see is when he comes to serve you, but I've been watching him every day. So when you come off this mountain, don't go do anything. You're going to anoint a king and all that kind of stuff, but go to this field, the 12th man in the middle of dust, and you're going to see your purpose. Now I want to close with this. Are you coming up in just a minute? So just hang for just a second. Isn't it amazing that the devil is so stupid, but he tries so hard to imitate God? Are y'all with me? How many knows if we're not careful, we'll hear the voice of the devil and think it's the voice of God? So what put him in the cave? Can I tell you what put him in the cave? A still, small voice from a small, insignificant boy. What did that small, insignificant, small voice say? Jezebel said, you are going to die. What brought him out of the cave? A still, small voice. Here's the other thing that I think God told Elijah. Son, not only what she said was a lie, I'm going to do something you ain't done in one other person. You ain't never going to die. Now, if you believe he's one of the two witnesses, he'll die in the future tribulation. But I got news for you. What she said would happen still thousands of years later has still not happened. He still ain't dead. Because the Bible said the Lord loved him, brought a chariot of fire and a whirlwind, and just raptured him out of this earth. So Elijah is still mocking Jezebel. Is that a good word? Somebody throw your hands up right now, all of this. I feel to do it this way. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. From this day forward, I'm coming out of the cave. I'm living for you. I'm going to make disciples of all men. In Jesus' name, give him praise.